But I wanna welcome all of our campuses to our brand new series entitled, You'll Get Through This. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us, all of our campuses, those joining online and Facebook Live. We are beginning a study, very excited every year uh, in the fall, I teach a book of the Bible. I do it two to three times a year. Last fall, I taught through the book of Joshua, which was in the Old Testament. I'm really excited about this uh, year. I'm going to be looking at a smaller book, uh, a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. So it's a New Testament book called Philippians, the book of Philippians. If I could boil this down in a nutshell, kind of give you the cliff notes, here's what it would be. Here's what Paul's whole point of this book, and we're going to be studying over the next six weeks. Here's what it is. In spite of what you may be facing, the circumstances, the challenges you may be facing, the grueling relationship issues you may be dealing with, you can still have joy by the power of Jesus Christ in your life. How many of y'all grateful that God can give us joy regardless of what we're going through? You know, it's interesting. There, there is a difference between joy and happiness. Now, I want to just qualify a couple things. I think this will help you guys. I'm going to take about five, maybe six, seven minutes setting up this book for our study over the next six weeks. I want to say a couple things up front. There is a difference between happiness and joy. It's amazing the lengths that our culture will go through, all of us go through, to experience happiness. Look, if you turn on the television, everybody's in search of happiness. How you can be happy, six steps to this, and how you can be happy. Nothing wrong with being happy. The challenge is, whether you're listening to a podcast, whether you're reading a book, whether you're listening to a commentator, the problem is happiness by itself is basically the emotions attached to favorable circumstances. How you doing? Great. Why? Because things are great. There's a difference, though, between happiness and joy. Everyone say joy. Joy is not based upon circumstances. It's based upon our relationship with Christ and what he's doing in our heart. Interesting, when I gave my heart to Christ, I was a freshman in college, and it was really reading the book of Philippians. I love all of the Bible. I love reading all of the Bible, but I really love the New Testament letters of Paul because there's just something about that, just my personal opinion. And I remember as a young Christian, reading through the book of Philippians and over and over, Paul talking about rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. And really, it was one of the books that God used in my life to show me, Steve, you can have joy in spite of your environment. In other words, you don't have to go up and down and up and down based upon, listen, what's going on around you and is this good around you and how are you doing in school and how's this and can you pay for this and what about your job? See, all of us, all of us are challenged with circumstances. We all have situations, whether it's family situations, whether it's financial situations, whether you went to the doctor recently and you, and you thought it was just a checkout and, and yet you realize, what? I didn't, how can that be? I mean, I'm so young. And you get a report that maybe not favorable. The reality is every single one of us are dealing with something. The issue is when we're dealing with that, how we feel internally can be independent from our external environment. Now, I know some of you think, my pastor, that's just so crazy. Well, it's not because it's in the Bible. It's not because it's been played out in my life over the years. I'm not where I want to be. Come on, are y'all with me? I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I want. Finish it. 
used to be. We can grow in the joy of the Lord. We can grow in living with the joy of Christ independent of our environment. Now, I'm going to give you the backdrop five minutes. Here it is. Book of Philippians. It is a letter Paul wrote in 60 AD. Who did he write it to? He wrote it to a church that he planted 10 years prior in Philippi. Let me just give you this real quick, a scripture. Here's what the Bible says in Acts. It's an interesting scripture about uh, where he wrote this. Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. So, so Philippi is a city actually in Greece, all right? Today, we would call it in Greece. In Bible times, called Macedonia. It's a, and he says, and we were staying in that city for some days. Let me pause there for a moment. I'm going to give you some backdrop. So some of you are going to like, okay, yeah, I remember that. In the book of Acts, do you guys remember, those of you that know your Bible, where the Bible says that Paul received a Macedonian call? Do you remember that? Okay, the Macedonian call, Paul ends up right here. By the way, if you read Acts chapter 16, this is important. Paul wanted to go to Asia, but God wanted him to go to Europe. How many of you know, watch this, a denial in our life may be God's detour in our life. Some of you oh man, I just really wanted to do this, but I ended up doing this. If you're following God, a denial, everyone say denial. It could actually be a God detour. Paul wanted to go to Asia. God said, no, 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 I want you to go to Macedonia because there's going to be something there. So he shows up in Philippi. Watch this. He's preaching the gospel in Philippi. Well, he gets thrown in jail. This story is going to be familiar to some of you. He gets thrown in jail with one of his buddies named Silas. And Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that Paul and Silas, they are chained, all right? They're in jail, but they say, we're going to do a worship service. Do y'all remember this? So they start singing and worshiping God, and the Bible says the power of God comes down, and it shakes the cell so much so that Paul, Silas are released, and everybody else is in jail is released. How many of you know it's really good if you're close to somebody that's really filled with the Spirit? I'm just telling you, look, be, be close. To, get real close to somebody that's real filled with God. And the Bible says that Paul, this is how the church in Philippi was started, 50 AD. This letter is written 10 years later in 60 AD. Stick with me. The church, the Philippian church, the church in Philippi is started by three people. Number one, a fortune-telling gypsy that got saved, a, watch this, a tormented teenager and a suicidal security guard. How many of you know Church of the King's doing pretty good? Come on, are y'all with me? That's all in Acts chapter 16. That's the foundation stones of the church at Philippi, all right? So here's the deal. Paul plants this church. The church is growing. It's thriving. It's flourishing in Philippi. Paul goes now on different missionary journeys. The church of Philippi was a big supporter financially of all of his missionary journeys. 10 years. So that was in a... A.D. 50, 10 years after that, Paul is thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. Again, he's thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, and he's waiting to see if Caesar is going to befriend him or behead him. And as he's in jail, praying and crying out to God, God begins to speak to him. And God actually gives him 
several letters. One of the letters that he gives him to write is to the church at Philippi. This is what's called, Philippians is what's called Paul's prison epistle, all right? So I said, Pastor, what are the epistles? The wives of the apostles? No. Y'all didn't get that? But anyway, so an epistle is a letter. Everyone say letter. So an epistle, that was funny. Y'all missed it bad. That was really funny. I'm not going to work that hard this whole message if y'all don't cooperate. But anyway, okay, I'm just pleased. So here it is. So God speaks to Paul, and Paul writes this epistle, this letter, 60 AD, back to this church that he founded 10 years before. Three reasons why he writes it, and then we're going to start, all right? Number one, the first reason why he wrote this is to thank them for their generosity in his missionary journeys. They were financially supporting him. So the first thing he wanted to say, and you'll see this, we'll study this, you'll see this. He was thanking them for their financial investment in his ministry so that he was going all throughout Europe preaching the gospel. That's number one. Second reason why he wrote this letter. By the way, when he originally wrote this, there wasn't chapter and verses. That's the translators that gave us that. It was just a letter, just like you and I write a letter. The second reason why he wrote it was to defend his good buddy, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was from the church at Philippians, the Philippi church, the Philippian church, and he actually came to prison in Rome to visit Paul and brought him an offering. Problem is he got sick when he was there. This is all in the Bible. He got sick and Paul was concerned, bro, you've been sick and they're going to think that you're a traitor. Let me write this letter and tell them that you weren't going AWOL, you were with me, but you were sick. That's the second reason actually why he wrote it. The third reason why the book of Philippians or the letter to the church at Philippi was written is because Paul wanted to encourage them, watch this, to continue in church unity. Let there be no divisions in the church. To continue to walk in love in the church. But don't miss this. This is the theme. This is the theme of the book of Philippians. And for them to walk in joy. Matter of fact, some theologians have actually considered the book of Philippians the epistle of joy, all right? If you have your Bible, I'm gonna ask you to open up to Philippians chapter one. So that's what it's about, written in 60 AD by Paul when he's in prison to a church that he started in 50 AD that was a supernatural start. They had a 10-year relationship with him and he's writing back when he's in prison to thank them, to defend his friend, and to say, walk in love, unity, and joy. Philippians chapter one. Here's how it's gonna work each week. I'm gonna read scripture I'm going to read a portion of scripture, then I'm going to extract two or three, maybe four principles out of it. I'm not going to read every verse in the book of Philippians, all right? So if you email and say, Pastor, you missed a verse, I know. (laughs) No, really, I know that. So I'm trying to highlight the verses and, and to pull out some principles that will apply to our lives today. I know all the Bible does, but we'll be here 16 years instead of six weeks if I deal with every single word. All right, here we go. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 to 11. I'm going to read a little bit more than I usually read, and then we're going to pull out some principles. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ or in Philippi. All right? It's a church. With the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He remembers them. He planted that church 10 years ago, all right, from when he was in 60 AD. I thank God every time I think of you guys, always in every prayer of mine, 
making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day, from the very first day that church was planted until now. But I'm confident, guys, I want you to know, I'm confident of this very thing that he, that's God, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just it is right for me to think this of all of you because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains. By the way, that's his physical chains. He was physically chained in Rome. Actually, it was kind of a house arrest in Rome waiting for trial before Caesar. He's writing this down. I'm in my chain. I'm chained up, but I'm thinking about you guys. I'm chained up. By the way, that's really important. You know what's interesting when you talk to somebody and you understand a little bit of context about their life? For example, if somebody says to you, man, really pray for me, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, man, I'll pray for you, you know. If you know that they have cancer and they say pray for you, how many know the weightiness and the gravity of their context gives a lot of oomph behind your prayer? Y'all with me? This, in other words, if you know what's going on, when Paul says the joy of the Lord is your strength, rejoice in the Lord, knowing that he is chained under house arrest in Rome, waiting before Caesar, how many of you know somebody in that context saying you can have the joy of the Lord? That means a lot. It's not because everything's going great in his life, but he says the joy of the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord always. All right, so here's what he says. So I'm in chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, and you guys are partakers of me, of this grace. For God, verse 8, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for all of you for the affection of Christ. I long to see you guys again. Man, it was so awesome those early days. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. Paul was in a trial, and yet Paul was encouraging through a letter, through his, his own handwriting, a letter, all right, that was given to Epaphroditus. He was writing a letter to be given to them to say this, you must continue in joy. Look at verse four, always in every prayer of mine, making requests with you with all what? Say it, joy. It's the theme of the book. Rejoice, joy, be filled with joy. Philippians 1.18, for in this I rejoice, Paul says. And again, I say rejoice. Paul was a guy that understood the true joy of Christ. He understood that there is a, there, there is a, there is a decision that we have to make, and the decision we make is, am I going to, quote, have my feelings connected to my environment, or am I going to allow God to do something in me regardless of whether my environment is up or whether it's down? I'm still going to be rooted in the joy of God. Pa Paul was a unique guy. By the way, Paul, if you think that everything always went well in his life, don't, don't forget this. Remember, he was stoned three times. I'm not talking about with pot. I'm talking about he was stoned. Did that wake you up yet? Hello? Man, y'all are boring today. But anyway, so he was stoned with rocks three times, all right? He was the original Terminator. You couldn't kill the guy. He was shipwrecked a night and a day in the deep, all right? He was. That's Paul, the apostle. Paul, the apostle, went, and yet he's the one who writes about joy. 
The joy of the Lord. Can you imagine? The guy's laying with a rock pile over him and he comes out of there. He makes Arnold look weak. That would be Schwarzenegger. Rejoice. Rejoice. Paul was a man filled with joy. Paul knew a secret. You know what the secret is? Paul knew a secret that every day, and this is going to be a theme that I'm going to talk about over the next six weeks, that every day Paul knew that he had a responsibility and an opportunity to set his perspective in the right direction. By the way, we can change our thoughts, but only God can change our heart. We can change our thoughts. We can choose to set our mind on what we want to set it on, but only God can change our heart. God knows, listen, if we'll set our thoughts on the right things, listen, it gives great opportunity for him to do a lot of things in our heart. If our thoughts are on the negative and all that's not happening and all the bad stuff around us, guess what? It begins to fill our life with wrong stuff. But conversely, if we set our mind, watch us, on the positive and the powerful and the possibilities and the opportunities and all that God is and all that God has and all God wants to do, all of a sudden, he's got a great opportunity to do things in our heart. Paul, the apostle, said, rejoice. Everybody say, rejoice. To rejoice, to enjoy, to enjoin, J-O-I-N. When we rejoice, guess what? We are making a decision to allow God's joy to prevail over our lives. Hey, you know what's interesting? Interesting, powerful woman of God, Corey Tinboom. Anybody ever heard of Corey Tinboom? Corey Tinboom was a Christian woman. She was a Dutch Christian woman. She was actually a watchmaker. Her dad was a watchmaker, and she was a watchmaker as well. Very brilliant family, artistic family, creative family. And she she was uh, in the Netherlands. She was in uh, she was Dutch. And in the 20s and 30s, her dad was a great Christian man and really had a heart and studied the Old Testament a lot and really had a heart for Jewish people. And, and, and he saw the Jewish people, you know, he read those terms about God's chosen people and he had a heart. So needless to say, when the, when, when, when the, when the Nazis began to move into Holland and all these different countries in Europe, they were very, very, very careful to, to do everything they could, watch this, to hide Jewish people. Hence the title of her book, The Hiding Place. It worked for about four or five years. In 1939, they hid Jewish people. In 1940, they hid Jewish people. In 1941, 42, 43, 44. The war was almost over. It was about a year to go, and somebody was a traitor and busted them, turned their name in. So there's this Christian family. There's this Christian family that's hiding Jewish people. So in comes the Gestapo and they take this family and they put them in the concentration camps with all the Jewish people. I'd like to say that all of her family made it through. They didn't. Matter of fact, she saw her sister being killed. But one of the things that she says when she was in prison, she became an incredible Christian statesman. Now, she statesperson. She was, she was a writer. She was, I mean, she was amazing. But one of the things that she said is she had a choice. Everyone say a choice. She had a choice to make on a daily basis. Was she going to choose in her mind and in her heart? Was she going to make a choice every day to rejoice in God regardless of the horrific nature of her external environment? 
Now, we can say things theoretically. How many of you know she said things practically? It's relevant for all of us. Your pain is not my pain. My pain is not her pain and vice versa. But the reality is we have a choice. When she would see her sister being taken off and killed by the, by the Nazis, and yet in her heart as a Christ follower, like the Apostle Paul, where Paul says, rejoice. Everyone say, rejoice. Man, that's great when it's good. Man, that's tough when it's bad. It's tough. And yet Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. What was the mind? The mind that God can do anything. The mind that all things are possible. The mind that God is in control of our lives. The mind that we can rejoice regardless of what our environment is saying to us. So here's what I want to do. I want to, if you take your notes out, I'm going to ask our campuses. I've got about 15 minutes and I'm going to let you guys go. But I'm going to give you four things. Here's, I'm going to read scripture each week. Then I'm going to pull some principles out. I'm going to give you four truths about joy that I see here in the scripture. Number one, four truths about joy. Joy is divine. Joy is divine. It comes from God. It's possessed and given only by God. First, we need to recognize joy is God's design intent for our lives, to walk in the joy of the Lord. Now watch this. Happiness emanates from the material world. It affects our emotions. I want everybody to look up here just for a moment. You and I, have five senses, what we smell, taste, touch, hear, and feel, all right? We can touch, taste, smell, hear, sight, sound, all that, all right? So here's how it works. We interact with our material world through our five senses. We interpret data, we feel a pain, we hear something. It then goes through our neurotransmitting system where we, we, we begin to comprehend information. So we are connected to the world through our five senses. Now, here's how it works. If everything is good on the outside, we interpret life as good. Therefore, we feel happy. The difference between a Christ follower and somebody that's not is we can interpret disfavorable information against us and there's a competing source of power that transcends our senses, and it's called the joy of the Lord, where it rises up. In other words, here's, here's how it works. When you give your heart to Christ, two things happen. Number one, you're forgiven of your sin. But we don't stop there. That's half the gospel. Half the gospel is trust Christ as your Savior. You're forgiven of your sins. But that's not it. Alone. You're also given the gift of the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. And now the power of the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Now the power to be a Christian, the power to obey God, the power to live this thing out. Now, why is that important? Guess what's in the Holy Spirit? The joy of the Lord. So in other words, happiness emanates from the earthly realm and us perceiving that, we, that things are good, all right? But the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord comes from above, comes from God. I was talking to this guy one time, and, um, and as I was dialoguing with him, in his eyes, he started welling up with tears. And it just, it's like the more I talked to him, his eyes just got just bigger, and, just, and it was just wet. And you know what happens when you're talking to somebody and they start crying? I mean, you know. Let me give you an example. If I yawned right now, guess what a half of y'all would do? You'd yawn, 
All right, you just yawn. It's just uh, how we're designed in human nature. Well, it's the same thing with crying. You know, you, somebody starts crying, you know. So, so his tears were just welling up. And I, and I began to think about what a picture of it is. For the Christian, listen to me, when you become a Christian, where does the Holy Spirit live? Where does he live? On the inside of us. Our bodies become the temple of who? Say it, the Holy Spirit. Do you know that when you're going through tough times, we've got to learn to draw upon the well. We need a welling up of the spirit and the joy of the Lord. The welling up of God, listen, that goes beyond all that's on the outside. Number one, joy is divine. Everyone say joy is divine. Number two, joy does not depend on circumstances. Happiness depends on, by the way, I like good circumstances. I'm an advocate for good circumstances. But there's not a guarantee for good circumstances. But the joy of God it implants and imparts into the heart of a believer. It's independent. It's independent of that. Happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. Happiness comes and happiness goes. Studies have found that your income level determines, where your education level determines, your relational status can determine happiness. In other words, it can go up, it can go down. But joy is different. The great evangelist Dwight L. Moody once said, happiness is caused by things that happen, happen around me. Circumstances will mar it, but joy flows through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows through all persecution and opposition. It is an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart. I'm not a big movie watcher, nothing against movies. I'm just too hyperactive to sit there for two hours, three hours. I'm, I'm just like, okay, what's going on? Okay, you know, it's rude to use your phone so people can see the light. I'm, ah, turn your phone off. So I get it. So I was in a movie, and, and now, now remember, watch this. Your feelings are interpreting data, and you feel things, and you interpret them, and you have a physiological and emotional response, listen, often whether something is true or not. Let me give you an example. I was in a movie, and... I don't know, it was a while back, and, and there's a guy probably four or five seats down. We're watching a movie. It was not a, tr it was not a true story, okay? I want you to hear. I, you have to understand context. This guy, and so this guy, maybe four or five, six days, he's got his popcorn, you know, and in the middle of the movie, the guy starts crying. He's like, <laughs> of course, you know, I'm over here, you know, and I'm just like, Wow, man, I got it. Wow, you know, and of course, and I'm like, I'm like I, I want to say something to it. I'm like, I got to say something. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm like, and my boys are really like, Dad, you can't control people and tell everybody what to do. Not everybody goes to Church of the King. You can't tell everybody in the whole world what to, you know, and, and I'm like, and I'm just like, I'm just, I'm feeling this thing on me. I'm like, Hey, you know, I just, I didn't say it, but I wanted, I, I, I kind of just, you know, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I was like, you okay? You know, it's a, it's a, and here's, here's what I want to say. I wanted to, I didn't say it. Of course my wife, you know, so I can't get it all that she's here. So I got to tell the truth. But anyway, so, 
So, but here's my point. Here's what I wanted to say. Hey, none of this is true. Like, you're, I, I felt so sorry for it. Like, this is all made up. But was he really feeling sad? Yes or no? Yes. But it wasn't true. How often are we manipulated? All of us, myself included, we get manipulated by things in the world, culture. Thank God that the joy of the Lord is not based upon our environment. Let me give you two more quick things and we'll close. Joy springs from faith. Joy springs from faith of knowing who God is and God is with us. Paul knew God was with him. A faith-filled mindset releases the joy of the Holy Spirit and helps us to gain a new perspective. Romans 15, 13, another letter Paul wrote. Paul says, now may the God, listen to this, now may the God of hope fill you with all what? Say it, joy and peace in believing. Are you a believer? A believer in what? Believer in Christ. Believer in the Bible. Believer in what God has called us to be and do and have and move in. May the God of peace fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit on the other. So we're a believer in Christ. And here it is. I am joyful based upon my trust, trust in God who God is, what God is doing in my life, what God has for my life. Look at another verse, Romans 1.25, excuse me, Philippians 1.25. And being confident of this, I know, Paul said, that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress. He's in jail. And he said, I'm telling you, I'm gonna see you guys again. God's gonna get me out of this. God's, listen, we've got more to do. We've got more places to go churches to build, things to do. Listen, listen, listen. In other words, don't miss this. I'm not going to let my physical limitations stop the advance of the gospel. I'm not going to let my insecurities talk to me. I'm not going to let my inadequacies talk, inadequacies. Don't miss this. I'm not going to allow, listen, whatever feeling I have to define me, to define my present, to define my past, or to define my future. I have faith in God, and he's going to lift me out of that. Because I, I, I have trust and I am confident, God. He said, I'm confident in that. By the way, I love preachers. I love listening to preachers, not just because I do it. I like, remember, I'm a Christian before I'm a pastor. And I love good preachers. Man, I was listening to this guy one day. And he, he has this accent. He's so powerful. And he's just preaching about trusting God, standing in faith, and God can do anything. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just inspired. And then I saw him, and then it really hit me. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing to preach something when everything's going well. This is Nick Vucic. He has no arms, he has no legs, and when they bring him out to preach, and I say this respectfully, they literally bring him out and place him like on a table, and he preaches like a man from another world. How many know he has a faith in God and that faith is not based upon his limitations, it's based upon God. Come on, are y'all with me? God can do anything. 
Paul says, my joy, my joy. Nick says, my joy. Paul says, my joy. It's not, it's not based upon me having arms or not having arms, having legs or not. It's based upon my faith in God. It's based upon my faith in God. Let me give this last and final thing. I hope you guys are enjoying this today. I am so excited this month about going through this. So, so excited. Joy, joy is both our present and future reward. Paul would say this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Here it is. Here it is. Enter in to the what? Come on, say it. Into the what? To the what is the joy of the Lord? Enter into heaven. What is heaven filled with joy? Heaven's filled with joy. There's no pain. There's no hurt. Listen, what does God want to give us on earth? Yes, there's still pain. Yes, but there's only one thing. There's only one thing that can insulate us from being overwhelmed and wanting to give up. There's only one thing that can help us get through this. And that getting through this is the joy of the Lord. That's your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's every day when I wake up, I'm going to listen. I'm going to look up before I look out. Because if I look up, that's where my help comes from. If I look up, I'm not going to look within. I'm going to look up. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. We're going to be studying this next six weeks, the epistle of joy. And uh, studying Paul's life, what Paul's, Paul taught us through this letter. That we can have joy. We're going to make a choice every day. Every day. Every day. We're going to make a choice. Every day. I choose to set my mind on God's word. I choose to trust God. I choose to trust what God's doing in my heart. Yeah. I know there's other things going on in my life. We don't deny that. But I choose to trust that God's word is greater than that. It's above all that. God's in control and God's in control of our lives. I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I know there's people that are hurting in here and maybe the Holy Spirit's brought you in here. Man, I am so honored. Please stay with us the next six weeks. Please. We can encourage you in faith and knowing Christ. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I've got two minutes. I want everybody just to just give me a moment. If you're in this place today, you do not know Christ. It's a starting point. It's a starting point of this life, a life of walking with Jesus. It's saying, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. Just a moment, I'm going to ask for you right where you are at all of our campuses, our South Shore campus, Golf Close, those in Baton Rouge, online, those that are in all the prisons and jails that are joining us live. I'm just going to ask with everybody's heads bowed, say, if you say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. Here's what I'm going to do. At the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to hold your hand up high. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you, but right where you are, Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A church can't save you. I can't save you. Jesus saves. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand at the count of three? One, two, three. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir. God bless you guys right here. God bless you guys in the back. God bless you up top. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you all over there. 
Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church, let's pray together with them. Come on, let's do this. Let's say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. And let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep, 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 deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to give me 30 seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ, there's a card behind your chair called My Decision. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. You can give this to somebody with one of those T-shirts in the, uh, in the hall. We have pastors out there. We have people up here. Also, if you need prayer for anything, we're here for you. Father, bless your people. As they go forth this day in the name of Jesus, I pray the grace of God upon every man, woman, boy, and girl. Teach us these next six weeks that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Bless your people in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said.